Uh, if you have a Bible, go ahead and open to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, and um, we're, we're going to just take a real quick look at the Christmas story, and I would imagine that most of you have heard this story. Some of you, when you were a kid, you might have even been in this story. You know, I don't know if anybody here dressed up like you were a little shepherd or lamb or maybe like a tree in the background, um, but, but, but I, what I want us to do tonight is to try to put ourselves in the story, meaning like let's actually engage our imaginations and feel kind of what it would have been like to have been uh, experiencing uh, this as if, uh, as if we were in it and, and, and watching it. Um, let me pray real quick for us and just ask God to help us uh, understand his, his word tonight. God, uh, I thank you for the joy that we have in this season, and God, the joy that we have in life because of you, Jesus, and because of uh, what you have done and the sacrifice that you have made on our behalf, and the life and the peace and the joy and the love and the forgiveness that we find in you. And Father, I just pray that as we look at the story of your arrival, Jesus, that that just really jumps off the page at us tonight, and that this would not just be another hearing of the same story, but God, that there would be something that's fresh and new to us, uh, and, and God, that your gospel of peace um, would just be alive um, to us and in us tonight. So Holy Spirit, would you move in this room? Holy Spirit, would you control me? Would you speak to us, God, I pray? Um, and I ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Luke chapter 2 um, and we'll start in verse 1. And it says this. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that the census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and who was expecting a child. Now, again, you've probably heard this story, but you have to, again, kind of engage your imagination. Use this. So Mary, uh, most uh, scholars think is a, she's about a 14-year-old girl. So um, one, just think about, okay, I'm 14 and I'm pregnant. And not just pregnant with like a baby, but pregnant with the savior of the world. So a lot of you, uh, like, who are women who one day, or maybe you are moms or you want to be moms someday, and even that kind of makes you a little bit nervous to think, like, oh, man, I'd have to take care of, like, another person. That just would be wild. But imagine that you have to take care of the Messiah. <laughs> so ver verse 6, verse 6, and while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And we know that in that story, right, so, so think, think about this. Um, this baby, at one point, is sitting on the throne with authority over the entire universe. This, this baby uh, has all authority, all sovereign power. This baby, according to Colossians, holds the world together by the power of his word. And then nine months later, a baby and if you know the story, you remember the story, um, he, he comes to earth, takes on human flesh, and his whole purpose for coming to earth is that 33 years later, he'll be crucified. The, the baby is born in a cave. 
Um, it wasn't like when they went to the inn and there was no room, they just said, oh, but we have this like beautiful manger set, a nativity set all set up for you, and all the animals are actually already laying down. Just go ahead. It's all set up right there. Most likely, Jesus was born in the indentation in the side of a hill, so think like a cave. And these caves would be set up where they would be places of refuge for the animals. And so in there, they'd have this feeding trough, and that feeding trough is what a manger is. And so that's where Joseph and Mary snuck away to. So again, 14-year-old girl, no place for them to have uh, the baby properly. They go into this cave, and there the baby is born in this cave. And she wraps him in cloth and lays him down in the manger. Um, and what also is crazy about this story is that around the time when this baby was born, there is a, there's a national decree that all children, all baby boys under the age of two would be murdered. So a lot of tension in this story. And again, we can just kind of read that and think, okay, it's the Christmas story. I've heard it. I've seen the Charlie Brown special. I know like kind of how the thing goes. But you have to put yourself and insert yourself into the story to really get the feel of what's going on. Verse 6. Um, While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son, and she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. In verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. So the, the meaning there of this light that shone around them, so think like super bright light, which is why we hung up every light we own here, so you, so you kind of get the, the idea behind it, right? And when it says that they were terrified, it means they were like super afraid, like, they were very, very afraid. They were frightened afraid um, at, at that. And you, you can kind of imagine that. The angel of the Lord. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. I bring you good news of great joy. And here's the good news, and this is where we're just going to spend the next few minutes kind of unpacking what this good news actually is and why this crazy birth story is such good news for us today. What the angels are announcing is that God is changing the rule that everybody gets what they deserve. This is the same rule that everything has worked by forever. It's a, it's a rule that we all know. It's the rule that inherently makes sense to us. If I do something good, something good will happen to me. If I do something bad, something bad will happen to me. We all just kind of, that rule just makes sense to us. You, you, the rule that says, well, you earn your way, you deserve your way, you get what you put in. And what the good news that's coming now with the announcement that these angels is making is that God is going to forego that. Your personal attempts to be good, your personal righteousness, your personal rightness, even your sin and your failures and all your inconsistencies, what God's saying is that's irrelevant now because this is what God decided to do, not not because of you, but in, in, in spite of you. And this is really why the angels are saying, look, you don't need to be afraid. The thing that makes sense, or the, the thing that does make me af- afraid when I think about seeing God is 
I think about all the things that I've done. And the angel says, I've got some good news for you because this is what God is going to do. Verse 11, he says, a savior is born. And that's because God knows what you need. God didn't send um, you a help up. God didn't send you just like a nudge to try harder or to do better. God didn't send a coach in your corner to kind of coach you up and, and, and tell you like, oh, this is how you can do better in, in life. God didn't send you uh, more instructions or more rules or more guardrails in your life. He sent a savior. Verse 12 uh, says this. This will be a sign to you. You'll find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then then again, suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts prepared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those who his favor rest. What we see there is this whole thing is from God, designed by God for his fame. It's not based on things that we do, that we create, that we earn. And, and what the angels are saying is this child is, is the prince of peace and is a peace offering from God. And because of that, it's possible to have peace on earth on whom all men God's favor rests. So why is peace so important? Of all the things that the angel could have said there, like why is peace one of those things that's so important? Well, think about this. How do you make peace with your past? How do you make peace with your past? I, I don't know if anybody in here has had enough life to where you would lay in bed at night and think through all the things that you've done in your past and it kind of keeps you up at night. Like, I'm about 20 years older than most people in the room, so I definitely have that. You have these kind of like rewind moments. And maybe you think through past decisions, you think through past relationships, you think through past occurrences, and you just think, man, if I could go back and do that over, if I didn't have that in my story, How do I make peace with my past? How do we make peace with ourselves? How do we make peace with the feeling that, gosh, I'm just too broken. I'm too far gone. I'm too much of a failure. I'm too much of a screw up. I'm too much of an addict. I'm too much of a you fill in the blank. How do we make peace with others? Some of you in your past, you have real hurts and real pains from real uh, failures against you, real offenses against you. And so maybe you can come to peace with your past, maybe you can come to peace with yourself, but you really can't come to peace with others because somebody hurts you real bad and you don't feel like you can make peace with them. What about peace with our circumstances? Like how do we make peace with the, the, the tension of our life, like maybe it's school tension, maybe it's work tension, maybe it's debt tension, maybe it's loneliness tension, Maybe it's our health. Maybe it's as we kind of grind on what are we going to do in the future. Maybe it's family tension. How do we make peace with our circumstances? How do, how do we make peace with what am I going to do with my life? And what we learn in this story is that God doesn't come to earth to necessarily change our circumstances, but he comes to bring you peace in the midst of them. He, he doesn't say the earth is going to be at peace, but he says there will be peace on earth among men with whom he's pleased. Uh, on the earth, and Jesus says this later in his life, he says there will be wars, there will be rumors of wars, but in men, in the hearts of men, there can be peace. 
And, and the peace doesn't necessarily mean that everyone will put their weapons down, but it means that God is bringing something powerful that will happen in the hearts of men. In John 16, he says this, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have trouble, but take heart because I've overcome the world. In the world we have trouble, but take heart, Jesus says, because I've overcome the world. So if we think back through those things of what we need to make peace with, if, if you're dealing with revenge, this baby came to earth to be wronged. Jesus was born to be treated unfairly. Be, Jesus was born to take the offenses of man upon himself so that the wrongs would be made right, so that justice would rule and reign. Every wrong on earth God will make right. The power of this baby to right my, my wrongs against a holy God now informs how I treat those that wrong me. The baby of grace and peace has set me right with God the, and paid what I owed so that I will live in that and treat others the same way. If you're dealing with regret and you can't make peace with your past, you can't make peace with present failure or past failure, Jesus offers himself to you. Because he did, not send himself, he did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through his son, the world might be saved through him. It's God's peace offering to those who are at war with him. It's, it's really the only time that you ever see God, any God come to you saying, you don't have to bring the peace offering to me. I'm bringing the peace offering to you because I want to have relationship with you. The angel told Mary his name is going to be Jesus because he's going to save people from their sins. The sins that keep you from peace, those are the sins that the baby came to save us from. And when we understand that God sent a Savior and salvation, and it's not based on our activity but based on the performance and sacrifice of Jesus, we get peace. Because as long as we try to factor us into the equation, God doesn't get any credit because God hasn't done anything spectacular. This is why the gospel is so simple, but at the same time, so amazingly profound. It, it's also why it's, the scripture says it's a stumbling block to people, because there's a foolishness to it. You, you see, as long as God treats people the way that they deserve to be treated, he's just like us, because that's what we do. It, it, that's not necessarily special or unique. Uh, um, you, everybody, everybody does that. Your, your elementary school teacher did that. Your boss does that. Everybody does that. So if the setup was God's coming to treat everybody the way that they deserve to be treated because of what they've done, that, that's not good news. It wouldn't even be fair news. It would just be old news. But when we rally around and put our lives under this good news, God gets all the credit. God gets all the fame, glory to God in the highest, and we get all the peace. But you see, if we do it the other way around, God gets very little credit. And we never get peace because you could have always done more. You could have always tried harder. You could have always been better. And Christmas is so important because if God never breaks the silence, then we're left to wonder and to worry that God is going to judge us based on our inconsistencies. But he doesn't. He breaks the silence in the most radical way. He offers himself and places his wrath that we rightfully earned and deserve on the baby. Jesus, who left heaven and became one of us, flesh and blood, the holy, infinite, creator God, the king of kings, Lord of lords, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, arrives born smelling manure in the cave and dies selling, smelling garbage at the place of the skull. 
And so at this time of year, we remember one event that set in motion God's plan from the beginning to glorify his name and to rescue his people. And when we see that and align our lives under God, getting all the glory, we receive the peace of God and peace with God. Peace that's not a byproduct or an overflow of our good behavior, our religious activity. It's the peace from recognizing that God initiated something 2,000 years ago and sent into this world what we needed most. Not more instruction, not more rules, not more law, but a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The message of Christmas is that God decided not to pay back the human race for what they had earned. Instead, he paid it on our behalf for his fame and for his glory so that we would have peace with God. And when we embrace this truth that the Savior come to take on the penalty of our rebellion, we no longer trust in us but in him. The Bible tells us that we experience the peace of God. And even in moments of silence and wondering and wandering, we know we are loved and God is with us. Emmanuel, God is with us. So this is what we sing about, and we're going to stand and sing in just a second here. This, this invitation, this invitation of the manger, this simple, unnoticed feeding trough in a cave somewhere in Bethlehem that leads to the cross and ends with an empty tomb. The invitation at Christmas is to transfer all of your hope, meaning transfer all of your trust and all your allegiance from the failing and flawed and decaying things of this world. You could be in the room and you're like, ah, oh, you're never really going to convince me that God is real, that God exists, and that all of this just isn't some kind of like crutch that all you guys just kind of made up and you lean into. And that might be. But what I could present to you is all the things that you've leaned into up, at this, up until this point in your life, have those things always held you up? When you look to relationships and you've leaned into those relationships as a place of hope, as a place of peace, have they left you with peace or they have left you wanting more? Maybe you looked at maybe a career, a career that you've started or, or money. You've put your hope there. You've put your trust there. You've leaned your life into that, looking for peace, looking for that complete, looking for that wholeness. It could be as simple as like, well, fun or like partying or pleasure you think, well, that's kind of been the thing that I've invested in. That's what I've leaned into my whole life. And I thought that I'd find fulfillment. I thought I'd find peace there, only to be let down by that. But all the false things that have failed you time and time again, the invitation of the manger, the invitation of the cross, the hope of the empty tomb, is that we can transfer the hope to the unfailing love of God demonstrated on the cross of Jesus Christ, where your future and your identity were sealed forever in him, and peace is offered fully and wholly. That's what we sing about. Let me pray, and we're going to sing uh, and celebrate that. Father, thank you for, um, again, not just the story, God, but the truth of the story and what the story means for us. Because, because, God, if we never have this, this story that we've all heard so many times, and God, that just becomes so familiar to us, God, if we never have that, we never have hope. We never have peace. We never experience mercy. We never find grace. We never find life. 
we never really know love. And so God, we just stop now to say thank you. Thank you that you broke through the silence. You broke through the darkness. You broke into our life to proclaim your glory and the peace that we can have with you. Jesus, we love you. We sing these songs for your fame as an expression of our love for you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.